this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampath the government is expected to finalize its battery swapping policy anytime now and the draft version of this policy released for stakeholder comments in april this year has evoked a mixed response with sections of the industry welcoming it while others have expressed some reservations the draft policy offers several arguments in favor of a strong push for an electric vehicle ecosystem that is centered on battery swapping as opposed to battery charging it has argued that this is more time efficient cost efficient and space efficient and more suited for two wheelers and three wheelers where the trip lengths are generally small but at the same time some have pointed out that aspects of the policy that mandate standardization in the design of batteries could be problematic what are the various challenges in implementing a battery swapping ecosystem how will it be rolled out given the high costs of setting up a battery swapping station and what has been the experience in other countries that have had to navigate these challenges in moving from a fossil fuel centric transport system to an electric vehicle centric transport system we explore all these questions in this episode of the infocus podcast and our guest today is pavan mulukutla director integrated transport electric mobility and hydrogen at the world resources institute india pavan thank you so much for joining us thank you sampath it's a pleasure uh, pavan uh, to start with can you explain to us in brief the highlights of the draft battery swapping policy as you see it in the broader context of the transition we are trying to make uh, to an electric uh, vehicle centric system yeah so couple of things the current draft battery swapping policy really talks about one is one key highlight is the mandate for development of um, a unique identification number for ev batteries what this will enable is then tracking of the battery its usage the number of cycles what's the degradation and thus it will also help in recycling the batteries and also uh, what we call as the usage in the second life after the automotive usage in the industries usage so that's one unique i would say highlight of this policy the other one is that it will also get into offering subsidies so that for the swappable batteries so that there is a level playing field to the battery swapping ecosystem itself it also there is a requirement of batteries to be bms enabled which is battery monitoring system so this will ensure greater safety to two wheeler and three wheeler vehicles in addition there is also a standardization of key components of ev batteries to enable interoperability uh, related to battery size connectors communication protocols so this will thus enable scaling up of the swappable ecosystem in addition there is also production of innovation in battery technologies so that uh, continued improvements can happen related to the new technologies around affordability and also energy densities and finally i think enabling multiple players to coexist will ensure that the business is competitive and um, by defining the battery swapping ecosystem i think it will really achieve the objective of uh, accelerating the electrification given that two wheelers and three wheelers will be the first to really um, transition to electric vehicles 
Right. Yeah. As you mentioned just now, it is basically uh, focused on commercial two wheelers and three wheelers, if I'm not mistaken, right? Not any, not private personal vehicles that are two wheelers. So, is there any chance that this kind of a policy uh, might get extended for, say, buses, trucks, and eventually personal four wheelers as well? See, technology wise, it is certainly possible. Although what happens is that with the requirement of batteries working for bigger uh, bigger vehicles, it will become more capital intensive. And then um, the whole swapping process itself will require uh, robotics, right? It will be uh, heavier batteries, for example, say for buses. When you talk about, say, cars and taxis or uh, four-wheeler cargo vehicles, uh, battery swapping can be a viable system, although we still haven't really heard of good business models across the globe that have been well established. And um, buses and trucks, see, we are also talking about alternative technologies that have evolved. For example, there is hydrogen fuel cell technology also that is being parallelly developed. If that becomes viable, then battery swapping per se, just uh, based on lithium-ion batteries may not be that popular with this bigger vehicle so it is definitely possible but for now i would say let's learn and understand from two wheelers and three wheelers and see can they be applied for even light commercial vehicles and henceforth right uh, you you just mentioned that for bigger vehicles such as buses and trucks it's going to be very capital intensive to set up battery swapping stations but my impression is that battery swapping stations in general even for the smaller batteries and smaller vehicles is a highly capital intensive uh, endeavor so can you talk a little bit about like what what exactly goes into setting up a battery swapping station why is it so capital intensive and what kind of subsidy framework that you referred to earlier is likely to come about so um Right now, a framework is being worked out for the subsidies which, within the battery swapping scheme itself. And in principle, what it really aims is to bring electric vehicles with swappable batteries on par with EVs with fixed batteries. So it's offering same level of subsidies to both kind of vehicles. By fixed batteries, you mean batteries which have to be charged? Correct. Yeah. But the way it is going to be dispersed is going to be very different. There are two steps to this. One part of the subsidy will go to the vehicle manufacturer, which will be offered as an upfront subsidy on the vehicle cost, which will already be much reduced due to it being sold without battery, right? And the other part of the subsidy will go to the battery operator to disburse to consumers as a subsidy on battery swapping services. So the scheme is trying to target both the manufacturer as well as the end user on the for the battery swapping services. Okay, you said the subsidy is for the manufacturer and for the battery provider, right? Battery operator so that, you know, it's passed on to the consumer as a subsidy for the battery swapping services that they will be availing. Okay, now will this business model work? It will be uh, basically the, the business model for the battery swapping service provider would be on the basis of... Uh, accumulating a large number of batteries at his service station and then charging a fee for the swapping service. Correct. Okay. And uh, my impression is that at the moment, if you look at all these e-rickshaws and so on, which operate on batteries, they are not really regulated. So will there be a drastic change in the le level of regulation and oversight for commercial E2-wheelers and E3-wheelers if they switch to a battery swapping ecosystem? Because you also spoke about something called a BMS-enabled uh, system. 
for safety and so on will people be really be uh, you know enthusiastic about this kind of uh, shift to a greater level of regulation actually um, honestly speaking there's not going to be much regulatory change in battery swapping you're basically actually just detaching the battery from the vehicle right and it's not that we don't have battery swapping models in fact we actually have battery swapping models in you know in fact piaggio runs a model called a passenger and then there are commercial electric three wheelers also and they are running with both fixed and swappable battery models so as far as regulations are concerned i wouldn't see any change so it shouldn't be of any concern but what it will really do is to bring greater safety uh, and oversight to three wheelers and two wheelers battery because you have seen in recent past last year uh, there have been re- several fire incidents and accidents right and um, one good thing is because of the battery management system and unique identification number that will be attached to each battery we are able to understand the performance of batteries which today we don't have that kind of information available so once we know and with a mandatory bms then you're able to also uh, manage the thermal requirements so that you avoid overheating you really actually help the vehicle perform at its optimum levels and um, this will help prevent as i mentioned overheating during operations and charging and battery charging and stopping stations will be certified so this will ensure that there is controlled environment for safety of batteries during charging operations this is something which is currently missing so definitely we are going to see no major change or any literally no change in regulation but much more safety uh, of batteries that will really be supported through this scheme right now i was going through this draft uh, policy which was released by the government earlier this year and and the broad framework uh, that they keep talking about is uh, baas uh, battery as a service and uh, and what has i just wanted to, wanted to hear from you what has been the experience with this battery as a service a phenomenon in other countries where this has been tried i understand it has been tried earlier in the us and in china but not uh, with much success yeah so in other countries um, battery swapping services have largely been led by commercial entities rather than through government regulations while um, initial forays like that of the better place have failed there is a revival in interest towards battery swapping uh, for example uh, gogoros charging networks actually supports 10 vehicle manufacturers with almost close to um, more than 45 two wheeler models in taiwan and it has really uh, nearly deployed uh, roughly about more than 10000 battery swapping stations uh, over 2000 locations so this gogoro is a battery manufacturer or a two wheeler manufacturer they are a two wheeler operator they are a fleet operator and they do about almost close to 3 lakh swaps a day and then um, there is one more interesting startup in china uh, by the name neo and um, you know earlier this year they were also uh, there was extensive network where they listed that they have about more than 800 ba- battery swapping stations which offers consumers you know they can charge they can swap they can upgrade their power plants it gives a lot of those options and um, in fact that they also had on their network private cars and taxis which you were asking is swapping possible or not but uh, in china they claim to actually say that you know they have been able to support swap systems for taxis and cars and right now neo i know is expanding to europe as well in fact um, they've also opened it up in uh, norway one of their first stores and in the us um, there is a company called app ample which is providing battery swapping again for um, 
electric cars and they attach their standard battery modules uh, underside of the car without the manufacturers uh, manufacturer needing to modify any of their vehicles but we still have to see how successful um, this model would be and also in east africa actually it's a huge it will be a huge huge market in africa where some of our manufacturers actually deploy their two wheelers and when they start deploying their e two wheelers i'm pretty sure battery swapping will also be very significant because you know there's a very high usage of boda bodas um, in many countries there and the demand uh, and the tra- kilometers traveled is extremely high I also want to touch quickly upon on the um, regulations. We know that um, around this, what other countries have done, Singapore released a reference uh, literally this year in 2022, where they really talk about battery swapping systems for uh, electric motorcycles. And uh, China released their official swappable standard safety guidelines in 2021, which we got to know that they were going to adopt by the end of the year. So. Uh, it's not just that India is only trying, but there are ample um, examples which I just shared that's happening across um, other countries as well. Right. Just to get back to the broader uh, picture of why battery swapping is sort of uh, advocated by those who advocate for it. One is, of course, so the way it works is, just correct me if I'm wrong, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, I just wanted to sort of put it out there. So you are saying that an electric vehicle which currently is much more expensive than a internal combustion engine or ICE vehicle uh, because the battery is very expensive. It's going to be cheaper because uh, you're not going to pay for the battery because uh, you're going to swap a battery which will be on a subscription basis. So you will you will buy the electric vehicle without a battery and then you go to this battery provider and then you subscribe to a battery plan so you keep swapping the battery as and when it gets discharged and that's way that's how your cost initial cost will be lesser and also your other cost will be running cost will be lower because there are less number of moving parts and uh, uh, the cost of of course electricity is much lower than petrol and so on so is that the model in general yes it's basically like you're saying that the battery compare just to make it a simple comparison is like your fuel right you will pay for how much ever you use and you don't need to have a permanent one that you're able to swap so that you avoid all the hassle of charging because a lot of times we'll also get into these challenges that not everyone is going to live in high rise where there's parking ample parking available and people may be just parking their vehicles outside their home and charging may become very difficult and uh, it will be extremely difficult to start putting public charging stations everywhere right the swapping stations with 12 smaller batteries or 16 batteries the space requirement would be very very small and this you can just put it say in your residential areas or you know around uh, public spaces it occupies very less space so it will become very easier to really then accelerate this transition because one of the barriers of adoption of um, electric vehicles is obviously the charging infrastructure requirement and then of course the economics of it so the battery swapping is trying to tackle both at the same time Right. And one of the other uh, arguments which has been made uh, in in this scenario is that India should transition to an EV-based transport ecosystem because it will help us meet our climate targets by reducing greenhouse gas emissions. But then this battery swapping policy is only targeted at two-wheelers and three-wheelers, which make up around 80% of India's transport fleet, true, but account for only 18% of 
vehicular emissions and 20% of uh, transport energy consumption so how is this battery swapping policy which is focused on an entity which is only responsible for 18% of emissions as the policy itself acknowledges how is it going to make a dent in our uh, emissions reduction or fossil fuel consumption so although two wheelers uh, from the numbers you quoted is only 18% but let's remember that they consume almost 60% of petrol in the country so our dependency on fossil um, fuel will get reduced that's one thing and the other also a part is that let's look at where we are suffering from a lot of this air pollution challenges also and emission challenges right so it's in our urban areas where um, very high usage of motorcycle and scooters nearly emit almost 32 you know at least from the stats i am known 30 to 35% of air pollutants and therefore the biggest impact to begin with will be in urban areas and we have so many uh, cities and urban uh, conglomerations where electric two wheeler and three wheeler will have a huge impact in emission reduction okay maybe uh, local level uh, in the city centric levels there might be some kind of uh, reduction in pollution but in terms of larger uh, greenhouse gas emissions uh, levels i don't know maybe we will have to wait and see now the other uh, critique which has come about on this draft uh, policy is that uh, it expects electric vehicle manufacturers to share their battery related technology so that the specifications and the dimensions of the battery pack design uh, are uh, are in line with interoperability so that you know you don't need uh, a different suppose a particular vehicle manufacturer has a particular design it shouldn't happen that you know the certain kinds of certain uh, battery manufacturers batteries don't fit in with those vehicles in the in which case you will have a problem operating battery swapping stations at scale every manufacturer will have his or her own set of battery swapping stations you know branded ones so in order to avoid this the government says uh, you'd have to cooperate share your designs whatever and standardize uh, these various components now there is hardly uh, any kind of sharing of uh, designs etc in the in the internal combustion engine manufacturers setup so won't uh, won't the manufacturers of ev vehicles resist this given that it's not a standard practice yeah. no i think a very um, pertinent question and um, i have the draft policy in front of me also and i'm just going to verbatim quote what it really talks about interoperability and standardization it says additional standards and specification of batteries regarding battery pack dimensions charging connectors extra um, etc will be notified over time with adequate notice to and consultation with industry stakeholders to support a phased transition to interoperability between ecosystems so it's not really mandating from day one it's going to be in consultation with discussions on what will work for the industry see no policy is going to be relevant without involving the industry right and also on your other point there is no request for industry to share their battery related technology to support standardization of battery pack design and interoperability and you rightly said that the where the policy is asking for some data from the battery providers is in actually providing consumer facing information for ease of access and operation so it's related to what the consumers will need and it really says information to support ease of consumer access and use of battery swapping services on availability battery type compatibility and performance of batteries at all battery swapping stations must be made openly available so this is only related to the access for consumers 
and also just one last point is that the manufacturers and battery manufacturers they will need to provide the technical specifications to ensure that they are eligible under the battery swapping scheme which was the same as the case under the fame today for the non battery swapping right with the fixed charging also they have been asked to provide so that they become eligible for the subsidies don't the ev manufacturers have to share their battery related tech, tech design to the battery providers so that if there are 10 different battery uh, manufacturers or whoever is providing and setting up battery swapping stations don't they need to know what the ev manufacturers designs are going to be suppose you have just one battery a fixed battery it doesn't really matter because you go and you put it in your charging station and it is charged but if you are swapping batteries there might be like uh, five different uh, providers of battery swapping services and each of them might be providing batteries of a different design how do you ensure that any ev vehicles battery can be swapped with uh, any of the batteries available in any battery swapping station so we are going to have some of those transition um, challenges and um, it's not that on day 1 there'll be a standard that will apply right it's as simple as um, how the whole uh, cell phone uh, or the mobile industry has evolved now with literally all of them moving towards type c cable right as a kind of a standard even yesterday apple announced that in europe they are being mandated with type c and it has evolved over so many decades so i would really see a similar journey that initially there will be a lot of explorations where industry will also try to see but at the same time actually uh, there will be partnerships also that will evolve which will then figure out that you know it's not just the role of you know someone just being as an operator and someone being just as a battery manufacturer or a vehicle manufacturer or a software or a system service provider you'll see a lot of transitions happen and i feel that is how the industry will also evolve some guidance little bit to begin with around interoperability is good but we'll also see that industry will also discover along its path how this will actually be it's not that on day one everything will be defined and everyone is using the same type you know your battery sizes will change the types will change your battery swapping modules will also have to be changed then accordingly right because if you have better densities of course it will change so i don't think it's of a great concern right now because the policy definitely talks about exhaustive consultations with the industry body and then taking them into confidence before you know mandating anything right of course there will be some uh, teething problems since it's a new thing that we are exploring here now i i wanted to go to some another specific statement in the draft policy uh, which is of interest which is the stipulation that each battery swapping station should service at least two different ev manufacturers now what is the significance of this requirement is it about uh, sort of ensuring that there's no monopoly kind of a situation happening like what is why is this stipulation given see this is basically to ensure that incentives are being well utilized to maximize the scalability it prevents the use of incentives for captive swapping stations by a single ev um, you know manufacturer or fleet operator because otherwise what will happen is that people who have the ability to scale up we don't want cannibalization or in you know, a monopolization of only one manufacturer or operator or fleet operator taking over so this will also push towards i feel partnerships and industry will also explore on how they can work together i think that's one of the intent of why this was really mentioned in the draft policy right now coming to the other question of energy efficiency i have a question uh, on this regard as well so generally the 
the argument being made is that battery swapping is more efficient than a battery charging system because uh, from the consumer's point of view, it, it's much quicker. It takes only two minutes. You don't have to wait around for an hour or 45 minutes for your battery to charge. You just exchange and you're out of uh, the station in uh, in a jiffy. Now, this also means that for any given vehicle, you will need many more uh, batteries in the system to keep the vehicles running than in, the se- than in the case of a battery charging se- kind of an ecosystem. Isn't that true? Because if you need one battery for a system where you are using chargeable kind of a way of uh, for using the fuel, you just charge a battery versus a system where you are swapping batteries, you need at least maybe a multiple of three or four per vehicle. So doesn't that mean it's more uh, inefficient compared to the charging model? Yeah, no, I agree. While more batteries are required, but also let's remember that these batteries can be of smaller size also, right? Thus, they'll reduce the total battery capacity required. So, uh, we, you have to see the size of the battery also because if you're able to do swap, then obviously the size will uh, get reduced. We don't need a bigger size also. Also, what will happen is that we'll also need to discover optimal operating models with minimum multiplier of you know what we call as the batteries that are extra batteries or the floated float batteries required for battery swapping services so whoever is competitive in the market providing batteries they'll minimize their extra battery requirements and they'll show improved unit economics and this is how they'll be able to scale so i think this is where we will see more innovation come in terms of the business models that will come and further, the overall life cycle emissions of the battery ecosystem can be reduced through the by establishing a very robust circular economy also for batteries with uh, second life usage and also recycling processes that will uh, take place. So what happens is that a battery which is used for automotive purposes, when it reaches its 80% capacity, it is deemed unfit to be used in vehicles. Then we can use those batteries, for example, for your energy storage for your generator purposes where energy is stored and then you can use it so we call those as second life that it still has capacity but that capacity is not relevant to be used in electric vehicles anymore because typically they put a threshold that if had if it has reached its 80 percent of its original capacity then you deemed it unfit for electric vehicles so we then say that it is the second life because it is being still used but maybe in industrial purpose for energy storage, for stationary storages, etc. Right. We're running out of time, Pavan. So one final question before we wrap up. So where does India stand on battery technology as of today? Because we know that battery sizes are going to be changing. As you yourself said, the bigger vehicles are currently using larger batteries. But if you're going to be uh, looped into this whole battery swapping ecosystem, of course, the batteries will have to get smaller. So the sizes will keep changing. Even the kinds of batteries right now, they're talking of lithium-ion batteries, but... uh, we don't know what the raw material situation are going to be. Uh, many of these raw materials which go into batteries, uh, which are used for swapping, uh, are not easy to source necessarily. We have lithium and cobalt in vast quantities. So where does India stand on A, battery technology, and B, on sourcing and access to these raw materials that go into these batteries? Yeah. So we all have heard of the um, production link incentive schemes, PLI schemes, which four companies have been awarded and 11 companies were shortlisted for, you know, cell manufacturing and battery pack in India. Currently, yes, we are importing cells and um, probably even battery packs, but we also know that there have been enough steps taken to ensure that 
uh, the lithium ion batteries are integrated into the supply chain for backward integration and to ensure that we are moving upstream in the value chain and the cell manufacturing also happens. We also have been developing bilateral relationships and ties on um, with countries which have uh, critical mineral resources. And we have also seen in the last two, three years, a lot of industries, players investing in R&D and cell manufacturing. So where do we import all these batteries from as of now? Which is the biggest source of imports for us? So there are like this only four or five major companies. Well, you have Cattle, you have BYD, you have Panasonic. So it's basically Japan, South Korea, China. So these are the three major countries where you get the cells. And then we end up making the packs. So... It's not so easy to set up cell manufacturing and that's what the uh, PLI scheme has been uh, doing. But what I would say, leave with this thought is that we will definitely need to diversify our battery technologies also. Yes, agreed, lithium ion is the most proven technologies, but there are other sodium ion based, aluminum oxide based, you know, there is graphene usage can that can be brought in. So we also really need to ensure that we are diversifying our uh, battery technology and this will help us ensure that we are not just relying too much on just one technology and we are open and therefore the um, R&D would be very very critical to ensure that this continues to happen. Right. Thank you so much Pavan for sharing your thoughts and insight. It's of course very clear that uh, there is no turning back from this uh, forward movement towards an electric vehicle a based transportation system. There are too many factors uh, which are pushing uh, every country in the direction. There is climate change, uh, there is uh, energy efficiency and self-sufficiency as well. And of course, there is pollution too. So for all these factors, an electric vehicle, heavy transportation system is the direction we are headed towards. But how we make this transition? Do we go for uh, the charging mode or the swapping mode? We need to wait and see. These are exciting times. Look forward to having you back on this podcast sometime very soon. Thank you so much, Pawan. Thank you, Sampath. It was a pleasure talking to you and great conversation. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.